say that this little is a point of turning his back on the Gentile Christians. His two-faced actions influenced the behavior of the Jewish Christians as well. Paul administered a stern and public rebuke to Peter. Now the lesson going is today is I think I'd like to hear one today. <laughs> Nothing else. We've only got 30 minutes. But, uh, understand that peer pressure is a powerful force. I think we all know that, especially on our young people today. Realize that God's word should be a source of all attitudes and actions. Okay. Let's talk about consistency. Consistency. It's like Edward said last Wednesday night, when you don't really totally understand what the Bible is saying, you ought to come and go do a little administrative work. Well, I looked up consistency. Always behave in the same way, have the same attitude towards people or things, or achieve the same level of success in something. Consistency is when all tests of students take are graded using the same grading scale. I did that for a long time. When I was in college, I used to have to my, my job was to feed the, the uh, Ohio University baseball team. And I was in class with some of those guys. It used to make me so angry because I knew they didn't study as hard as I did. And I wasn't the brightest light in class, but neither were they. And they let us get the best grades. And I said, well, why do you do that? But anyway, that's consistency. Inconsistency. <laughs> Inconsistency. It's just stuck with me now for 50 years. <laughs> Inconsistency. You want to lose weight, but you cannot stop eating donuts. Inconsistency, all right? Paul's going on the little seat, some of that. And the difference is that there's a major inconsistency between those two ideas on wanting to lose weight and eating donuts. And so if some of the women probably think inconsistency is the only thing in which men are consistent in. Okay, so let's, um, let's get started. Peter's education as a disciple continued even after he became an apostle. Even as one of the leaders of the early church and powerful preacher of God's word, he was still in need of correction. The final lesson we're going to learn today is how Peter deals with consistency and inconsistency. Consistency greatly affects our testimony, our effectiveness for Christ. In this passage in Galatians that we just read, we find Paul challenging Peter to be consistent in the manner of his conduct towards fellow believers. God had made it clear to Peter in Ephesians, that the gospel of Christ was not to be kept concealed. But here we see the peer pressure, Peter's challenge that caused him to withdraw from obedience and threatened to bring real harm to the cause of Christ. Paul understood and took the occasion to remind Peter that the Great Commission is for everyone. Now Paul knew that Peter knew what was right. So Paul is just reminding him of what was wrong. All right, number one in your outline there, Peter being cooperative. As we begin to look at this incident in Peter's life, we see that initially he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was, you might say he was off to a good start. Off to a pretty good start. Of course, then Satan intervened. But you know, people do remember how we start something and how we finish it. Yeah. I love to watch a detective show. You know, when the detective show, you first, first scene you see, somebody gets shot. You know, then you see, don't see much, don't pay much attention to anything else. And at the end, you notice the bad guy gets caught. All that stuff in the middle is sometimes overlooked. That's what we call continuing. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about too. We encourage, we are encouraged to continue. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Second Timothy 3.14. B, continue, but continue 
Alan the Gainslayer hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. First Timothy 4.16, take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You know, Peter had accepted the various rebukes and corrections. If we looked at the last four weeks, a lot of rebukes and, and corrections. You know, the first week we talked about his uh, good intentions, and then we talked about uh, his forbearance, his uh, uh, slow to anger, and then we talked last night, last week about his desperation. He went through a lot of that. And in God's final way, Peter became one of the pillars of the first century. Our lesson gives me a couple of accomplishments that Peter had. So I got to read and I got so interested and I was so interested to see what, what a person Peter really was. It was all these mistakes he's made, all these corrections that God has helped him with. So I brought it back from I went ahead and learned all that. So I'm going to take I'm reading this again. Last week and I was just it just impressed me. It was Peter who stood and led the shooting of uh, Matthias to take the place of the fallen Judas Iscariot. It was Peter who again stood up and lifted up his voice to deliver the sermon at Pentecost, which led to the salvation of 3,000 souls. It was Peter who, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, brought healing to the lame man at the temple and then preached the sermon at Solomon's porch. It was Peter who told the rulers, elders, scribes, and high priests himself that they had crucified Jesus, and that was dangerous. They didn't like that. It was Peter who spoke the word that struck the deceitful couple, Ananias and Sapphira, dead in their tracks. It was Peter who as a shadow brought hope and healing to the sick. It was Peter fresh out of jail for the crime of selling Jerusalem as a doctrine of Christ, who led the disciples to declare to the high priest, we ought to obey God rather than men. It was Peter who did Titus 2.20. It was Peter who along with John went on a special mission to new believers in Samaria. One more. I got more of my little one more. It was Peter who healed Ananias, sick of the palsy, and raised Tabitha from the dead. And through these miracles, brought many people to trust the Lord. You know, it's evident that Peter was continuing. All right, he never quit. He was continuing in the work of the Lord, allowing the Lord to use him to proclaim the gospel to unreached Jews. All right, now. Uh, I was thinking of in, in the Bible some examples of, of uh, individuals who illustrated continuing. I, I, I thought of a few of them, but just a couple. Joseph, all he went through. Daniel, he never quit. Uh, the Apostle Paul would be excelled, the excellent example of those who stood steadfast in their call and continued until their embrace was finished. It ought to be the goal of every one of us as believers to continue in our calling until either the trumpet sounds or until the Lord calls us home. Amen. Therefore, my beloved brethren, Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. All right, let's move on. Number A, his evangelization. Peter's evangelization. Peter was clearly aware of the fact that it was gospel that it is the gospel which changes lives. He now knew the gospel was for all. And we see this as Acts 334, where he stayed. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Okay, uh, 2 Daily Acts 10, 10 through 16. 
And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending upon him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common? This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Thank you. How many of you, like me, when I was first born, thought that day was going to be a huge day? I said, first thing I got in years, I thought, man, that may be the end of the world. That's not what I mean. But this is a passage often used to support the erroneous teaching that God has now released us to freely eat every kind of animal. Peter's vision had nothing to do with that. It wasn't about being able to eat clean or unclean food at all. Rather, it was about God accepting the Gentile believers coming into faith. This was the great mystery of the ages being revealed to Peter through his vision here in Acts chapter 10, that God would extend salvation through the Gentiles without them needing to first convert by becoming Israel's of Jew. In other words, they didn't have to be circumcised. Unbelievable about that. So I'm glad I found out what that means. As believers, we must realize that God is still not a respecter of persons, and that the person that we ought to witness to in fact, every lost person we come in contact with. Amen. God just wants us to sow the seed. The work of bringing one to repentance is the job of the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times those of us who go out on visitation and we see these values, and we just need to understand that. God just wants us to sow the seed. And uh, he'll take care of the rest of it. All right, now, I have an illustration that I think I'll you know, the farmer does his best to prepare the ground. I hate to do this, but I need help from you know, prepare the, prepare the ground carefully. Plant the seed properly and care for the young plants, tenderly. But he cannot make the sun shine. And I got a little hobby farm, and I just love it. I go out there all the time. And the cat never has to worry about where I'm at. She just knows when I'm supposed to have a little place floating around. But he cannot make the sun shine nor bring the rain. In spite of all his knowledge, how and best efforts, there will be no harvest unless God does his part. Put a little thing like this. Uh, this spring, I was getting ready to plant this, this spring. Uh, I got a call from my youngest grandson, Luke. He said, Papa, I want to plant some seeds this year. And Roger and uh, Diana brought him a little, little shovel about like that and a little hoe, you know. And I said, well, come on over. I said, we're going to plant corn today. Here he comes running across the yard, and I mean, young, he was real happy. So I plowed up a couple of rows, and about 16 rows, and I started down to the other, and he started up to the top. And he said, what do I, how do I put them in? And I said, pretty much I'd ever seen them before. He never cut me through this little crumb of my boot. <laughs> but yeah, that's okay, that was great. I'm gonna get, he got down there, he got about halfway through the second row, and he stood up, and kind of leaned over and hoed, a little hoe. And you know, he didn't want to stop. And uh, so I came up to the other end, and you know, Papa, I think I'm just getting too old to come back. <laughs> I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> I lost my helper. <laughs> All right, who has Corinthians 3, 5, and 5, 7? I'll open it, Jason. 
God used the power of the gospel to bring about regeneration, transformation to the Gentiles. I'll ask that as a letter B. His explanation. Whenever God is working, there will always be those who criticize and defend him for It's amazing that, as, that anyone would be unhappy about people being saved, but that was the case then, in Peter's time, and sadly, that's often the case now. Uh, they that were of the circumcision referred to the Jews, of course, who were upset at Peter's eating with Gentiles and sharing the gospel with them. Now, this is very reminiscent of what the scribes and Pharisees said about Jesus' eating with the publicans and sinners. Christ's answer at that time is relevant today, 2,000 years later, as it was then. The status of the sinner is not limited to eating with sinning Jews. So keep that in mind. All right, I've got a lot of verses to go with that. I'm going to go through them very quickly. At moment, I took me a moment to wrote a couple of verses. Romans 3, 10, as it, is, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and done short of the glory of God. And then Peter went on to describe how the Lord had made it clear to him that he was to share the good news of the gospel to everyone. In... Uh, Therefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. But at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One of my favorite verses, and I told you once before. <coughs> When Bob and I we did a tape and we were out on Tuesday nights and people shoved us back, they said, you know, it's been exactly a little bit angry with you. We don't get nasty. And I said, Bob, we don't really get nasty with each other, so we don't want you to do this, you know. So we back off it. When Bob and I go back to the car, we think about this verse because those people someday that rejected Jesus are going to realize the meaning of it. And that's a very, very good verse on that. All right, uh, you know. Uh, I got a little illustration. I don't want to get too far behind. But on this sin cursed earth, there's many man made divisions. In fact, think about our United States. We've got borders, we got counties, uh, we got state lines. Uh, well, we have three borders anyway. We don't have a federal border. We got three borders. But God sees all men, God sees, come on, you little Christian. God sees all men as fallen and in need of a Savior. Doesn't make borders mean nothing to the Lord. He sees all men uh, in need of a Savior. God sent His Son to be that Savior, and all who accept that Savior are one in Him. Uh, let's see. Galatians 3:28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all are all one in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to read any more. I think my hand will be in tonight. Salvation is for everyone. All right, number two, Peter being contrary. So far, so good. Peter had been used by God to bring salvation to the Gentiles, but things were about to change. Satan was about to stick his finger in pot here. Galatians 2, 11 and 12. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to, to the face because he was to be blamed. Now, therefore, the searching, seeing from James, the Judaizer, 
beginning with planting Julius the church, he being used with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them, which were of the circumcision. You know, um, I wanted to give you a little more time, but uh, these verses we see that even Peter was not immune to hypocrisy. Paul recounts that Peter visited Antioch. During his visit, Paul was obliged to point out Peter's sin. He explained to Peter his inconsistency. Peter used to eat with the Gentile Jews. But when certain men from James came to Antioch, Peter held himself afar or aloof from the Gentiles, fearing criticism from the Jewish believers sent by James. Apostle, and the Apostle Peter shows favoritism to Jewish believers who teach that Gentiles must obey the law. This is a serious misrepresentation of the gospel. Paul rebuked Peter in front of everyone for his hypocrisy. Even though Paul admitted to making some of his bad, Paul really knew already that Peter knew what was right. He just had to remind him of that. All right. We do not, uh, let's see. Okay, evidently during the ministry of Paul and Barnabas at Antioch, Peter went to pay them a visit, and when them, which were of the circumcision, showed up there as well. Just like up in Minnesota, we got one mob goes in this city, goes in that city, goes in that city, they just keep going. That's kind of what they are. This GBI just is following, following them around the world and uh, causing trouble. It was at this point that we see Peter making a mistake. We know that he knew what to do. We know that he had been doing what he was supposed to do. But now we see him being distracted by the naysayers in the church. Peter wanted it both ways. He wanted to please the Gentiles and he wanted to please the Jewish people. The believer who is involved in working for Christ must realize that there will always be critics and detractors. It is our duty to carry on and to obey. Number A, he left the Gentiles alone. In this passage, we see Peter eating with the Gentiles and undoubtedly ministering to them. But after the Jews arrived, we see five very sad words in Galatians 3.12. He withdrew and separated himself. He did not want these Jews to see him with the Gentiles. It was always Satan, it is always Satan's goal to get the believer to step away from obedience and service. This is exactly what Peter did. Why Peter did that? Why did Peter step away? The scripture says it was out of fear, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Fear tested. 2 Timothy 1 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay. I skipped this. I think you saw this. Okay. Who led the Jews astray? Number B. Galatians 2 13. One of the great lessons to be learned from the life of Peter is that people are not only watching us, but someone suddenly follow us. Peter believed the way Peter believed one way, but acted another way. This is the essence of hypocrisy. He believed that in Christ the Gentiles were all of equal status with the Jews. But when the aggressive Judaizers, the woke crowd, came around, Peter turned back. Peter turned his back on the Gentile friends as though they were somehow inferior. What's the sad thing about this? I, I one time I did a study on Barnabas. <coughs> this guy is really, really good. He's kind of
kind of sad when you read this. Even though that Barnabas was was really just a really good man, he knew he agreed with the hypocrisy of Peter. Barnabas was one of the quiet heroes of the New Testament. He had been Paul's mentor, and now was his co-laborer in Antioch. He was a man who was certainly gracious, genuine, and giving. But in this instance, he was also headed in the wrong direction. This brought up a question for me. We, I sometimes ask, maybe you wouldn't, uh, at least let's say you would. We sometimes ask, why good people are doing the wrong thing? I, I see this so often. This passage shows us that good people, excuse me, this passage does show us that good people often do the wrong thing because they are following other good people who are doing the wrong thing.
feet of rye, and he that sows discord among his brothers. Ephesians 4.29, let no corruption in your filthy proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I mean, there is a principle, a golden, what I consider a golden rule, uh, a golden rule to consider as well. If you don't want to be gossiped about, do not be guilty of doing it yourself. Okay? Luke 6, 31, And you, and as you wish that men should do unto you, do ye also unto them likewise. You know, Paul used this as a teaching moment. Not only did he talk to Peter personally, but he spoke openly before the other believers that had gone astray with Peter. There are certain times that correction should be done publicly so that others can hear it and learn about it. But there are also those times when correction needs to be done in private. Okay? That's a whole message for Catholic Church tonight. But I just think this got into it right now. Peter was drifting towards legalism, which was adding something to the grace for salvation. Peter needed to stick with the simple gospel of Peter knew this, so Paul was reminding him of it. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved, nothing else, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In Peter's number B, Peter the Apostle, a wise man will hear and will then fully shine down. Man is unrepentant and vain seeketh without a shine. In all of our previous lessons, the other three lessons plus this one, we have seen that however hard-headed and tough Peter was, may have been, he seemed to accept it all of the Lord's corrections and rebukes very, very well. And that's hard when pride is there. That is tough. I know when I get corrected, I, I bubble up, you know, and then bubble up and defend it. And you get that pride and Peter didn't do that. He, re he remained steadfast for the Savior all along. Peter was being prepared for the wonderful future ministry of which we may know and which they don't know. Although he was corrected and reprimanded publicly by Paul, Peter still loved and respected Paul, and in fact referred to him as our beloved brother in 2 Peter 3.15. It would be a wonderful thing for believers today to show love towards each other who correct them. All right. One last one. A couple things here at the end. Don't cheat the messenger. You know, if the mailman brings bad news, don't beat up the mailman. If your mechanic tells you you got a, your brakes are bad, get your brakes fixed. Don't, don't, don't beat up the mechanic. If your doctor tells you you have a serious medical condition, you'd be very wise to listen to them and go forward from there. When it comes to accepting personal correction, we sometimes let our pride get the better of us uh, and are tempted to resent both the advice and the person who brings it. All right, in conclusion, boy, I am kind of, I work this thing out, I'm kind of, you want Paul? I'll work with you. <laughs> I like that sign, it just does what I tell it to do. All right, conclusion, peer pressure can work in both a positive and negative way. We need to use our influence over others to encourage and edify. We need to use this over here in our home. There will always, there will also be times when we are in need of correction. And during these times, we ought to seek to heed instruction and to allow it to get us back on the proper track. 
Is that true for the people and circumstances that God places in your life? Okay, let's turn to now turn back and say a couple of things. Uh, I want these four lessons to be for me. Namely, to just take your one thing stuck out. And when we first started, we said we're not going to beat up on Peter for the next four weeks. What we're going to do, we're going to take a look at some of the mistakes that Peter made, and that'll help us that we don't make those same mistakes. I hope you've done that. Uh, Peter set his eyes on following Jesus, and I think we have proven that Peter has set his goal to be the best disciple that he could be. And I think the one thing that just struck me as always is kind of a a vein that's kind of flowing through all of it is this. When we fall, and as Christians, we are going to fall. When we fall, as we will, may we learn from our mistakes and take the Lord and ask the Lord for forgiveness. He is faithful to forgive us when we fail. God, God will take that which is broken, you and me, we'll take that which is broken, put it together again, and make it better. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning, for a lesson on Peter. I pray, Lord, that we've learned. And we ask you now to be with Pastor Kyle. Thank you for the time.